episode 17. Undeniably, episode 17 of the Tartar Project. Hey, it's Phil Toronto. After a couple weeks of embarrassing episode number faux pas, I'm coming back strong. Won't make that mistake again until the next time I make it. Not too worried about it. Thankfully, you stuck with me, you're listening. Today we have Sarah Larson-Levy of Y7. Y7 started as a pop-up yoga studio uh, about six years ago and has grown into a pretty strong, not just yoga brand, but lifestyle brand because they have 10 plus studios. We talk about what might be opening in the future towards the latter part of the episode. And they do a lot of fun brand collaborations because they have a very applicable brand across a number of different categories. Really resonates with uh, enthusiasts of Y7 and, and enthusiasts of whatever brand they're collaborating with. They just do a great job. Um, and that's that's part of the reason I wanted to have Sarah on. Cares so, so much about the experience of Y7 and what people feel when they walk into a studio or what they feel when they put on their apparel. It's, it's the single thing she's worried about as the CEO of Y7, and it comes through. Sarah definitely didn't start out with a vision to have a growing yoga brand, and we talk more about that in the episode, obviously. Uh, she transitioned from a career in fashion to Y7, which is fun because it was interesting to hear how she took a little bit from each of her work experience before starting Y7 and how that applied to just creating the strong brand that Y7 is. We had fun with this. I'll stop rambling, but not before I beg of you to share the Tartar Project with your friends. Toss me five stars on iTunes. Give me a review if you like it. I hope so. Follow me on Spotify for sure. Very big Spotify proponent, especially after uh, last week's episode with Mike Mignano of Anchor. But now, without further ado, Sarah. We're live. New episode, Tartar Project. Today, we have the founder of Y7 Yoga, Sarah Larson-Levy. Hello. I'm very excited. Uh, Sarah actually crafted a yoga experience that got me into yoga, finally, um, <laughs> after a terrible first attempt where mm. my friend didn't flat out lie to me, okay. but didn't give all the info and took me to Bikram. Oh, oh. And when they locked the door, <laughs> Mm -hmm. All my hope went away yeah. and I almost swore off yoga um, and I'm glad <laughs> like, I didn't. Welcome. You can never leave. Exactly. <laughs> Stated that you cannot leave the room uh -huh. and it was so hot. And if you feel like you're going to pass out, just lay down. Right. That was my nightmare. And, but yes. I got through it. I, I didn't pass out during class and then I was hesitant. But someone's yeah. like, hey, you should check out Y7. So I did. He let you leave. Yes. You let, you let me leave. You let me just lay there if I you want to. You can do whatever you want. You play truly. Drake. It's yes. fantastic. Um, but with that brief overview of my ter terrible first experience, <laughs> not with Y7 and my phenomenal experience with Y7, uh, what's Y7 to you in your words? Yeah. So Y7 to me is for everybody, really. Like, you know, the goal of the studio and our mission is to break down the barriers that uh, people have to yoga. So what that kind of means is that, you know, I think a lot of people have all these preconceived notions about yoga, right? You have to be flexible, you have to be spiritual, you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain way, and that's just not the case. 
Um, it's truly a practice that's going to look different on every single person just because anatomy, your body is different than mine. We're never going to look the same in a pose. It's Ever. just, and it has nothing to do with our level of practice or anything. It's just our bodies are different and that's totally fine. So, you know, with Y7, it's dark. There are no mirrors. It's candlelit. And we do that so you're able to really feel the pose in your own body and you can feel the strength building. You can feel yourself getting stronger. You can feel yourself building on the poses as opposed to always looking around at what someone else looks like or what the teacher looks like or what you look like in a mirror. It's just, I, for me personally, it wasn't really healthy um, for my mental space. So I wanted to take out all of that distraction and really focus on what you feel like. Amazing. When did you start practicing yoga pre-Y7? So I'd always, I mean kind of like on and off throughout like college. I maybe went like once, uh, like a couple times. And then I actually pinched my sciatic nerve in 2012. And I was a very big like spinner, um, you know, and I like got on the treadmill at the gym a lot. Um, and I couldn't do any of that just because of my physical limitations. So, Low impact. Um, yeah. So uh, my doctor was like, yoga. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, sounds nice. And I was like, sure, great. And I hated it. Every, not every experience, but the majority of experiences I was having, I couldn't, um, I couldn't find any consistency. Um, there was, I was bored. Um, or, you know, I would go in and for 20 minutes, the instructor would be talking about a retreat she was leading. And I was like, uh, hello? Yeah. I was like, I didn't come here for a lecture, but thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate that. Like, I was like, I, you know, I was always like, I got to go to work or I'd go to a class and it was said it was 60 minutes, 90 minutes later. Right. She's like, I'm so sorry. I went over. I was like, fuck, yeah. I got to go to work. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, so there were a lot of things that just, you know, weren't really resonating with me. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, why Y7 was started. It was a place I wanted to practice at. Everything we do in the studio is something I wanted. Um, you know, the studio was started when I was, gosh, how old was I, 26. So, you know, for me, it was like, I, I didn't have a ton of money to spend on fitness. Um, I was also very like time poor. Um, totally. And so I think I wanted to create somewhere that had a lot of consistency that people could rely on, um, that they knew exactly what they were going to get to. I think that's really, really important. You know, when you're paying for any sort of fitness class, you you know, the clients are spending not just their time, but also their money. Definitely. And for me, I was like, I want to create something where people can, they know what they're going to get and they can always leave happy and satisfied. Um, so that was a big part of it too. It's amazing. So we're going to take a bunch of steps back. Okay. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Amazing. I yeah. love Michigan. You do? Yeah, it's a lovely state. Why? Why do you I go there? Uh, the first time I ever went to Michigan, um, a buddy of mine has a farm um, in Rose City. Uh huh. So like deep, yeah. deep, deep Michigan. Had a phenomenal time. I visited Ann Arbor, yeah. Detroit. It's great. great. I, yeah. People love it, and I'm always like curious what takes them there. Yeah. And the people are so yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> we're just like nice little Midwest yeah. people. <laughs> Michiganders. Yeah, Michiganders. We Michiganders are. Are wonderful people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're happy to have you in New York. It's a welcome breath of, breath of fresh air. Thank you. Um, growing up, did you care about school while you were going? Did you have the option of not caring about school? I didn't have the option not to care. Um, I went to, I went to like kind of, a, I guess would be like a prep school. 
Um, so I went to uh, Detroit Country Day, um, and it was very much like math, science, English, like heavy. There were no electives. Got it. And I, it, school was hard, not hard for me, but it was hard to enjoy it because I didn't, I don't think I, I don't know. I never really cared that much about school. Yeah. I didn't care. That's fair. Yeah. Like I, I felt the same way. Yeah, Sorry, like Mom, It was but, fine. Like, you know, I studied, I did the things, I got the grades so I could go to college. Yeah. But I wasn't like, I love science. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it I love math. <laughs> <laughs> That's my future. Yeah. yeah. I lasted, um, I think two weeks as a math major in college. And then oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Math major. Yeah. No. Wow. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. It, aspirational, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. I Fixed mean, it. wow. Yeah. That's, no, it's really impressive. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Definitely shot myself in the foot, but it was fine. It's yeah. totally fine. Um, did you have jobs when you were in school or did you have like so side hustles? I always had a summer job. Um, I was a cater waiter. Oh, cool. For a couple of summers. Um, and then I actually worked part time for uh, my last two years of college at a little fast casual restaurant in uh, Madison, Wisconsin called Zaz. Ooh, what's Zaz? It was like, you know, you order, you can get like a salad or a pizza and like you can customize everything. Oh, like Pete, Pete like pizza, it. salads, Pizza's, got it. yeah, sandwiches. Cool. Is it still a staple? I don't know, Milwaukee? actually. Interesting. I don't know. I Never should look. Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. But that That's was fine. fine. It was great. You yeah. know, I worked like what, like 12 hours a week and got yeah. some extra cash. It was fine. That's perfect. Yeah. And then where'd you go to college? I went to University of Wisconsin. Yeah. What did you major in? So I actually have, I majored in consumer science um, with a focus on retail wholesale management. Oh, cool. Yeah. So consumer science, is that psychology of a consumer or what Kind was of, it's, it's really interesting actually. It was, um, it was within the school of human ecology. So like human studies and things like that. Um, and all of my base classes were like business school classes. And then more of my electives were on like marketing, consumer habits um, and things like that. And then like beyond that, my focus was kind of on like um, on the retail side too. So looking at like a lot of retail finance, learning like a lot of Excel stuff, open to buys, like all of that um, cool. and marketing classes and a lot of case studies with a lot of consumer brands. Um, at the time, Aldi, the grocery mm -hmm. store all, all day. Yeah. yeah. So that was European kind of, based, yeah. Right? yeah. So that was kind of just starting to make its way to the States. So it was like talking kind of about, um, you know, what it looks like to consumers and like what it draws them there beyond the brand name. Right. Yeah. And kind of looking at the consumer behavior, why it works so well in Europe, but not, it has, it didn't, it took a lot longer to take here. Definitely. So it was kind of looking at all of that stuff. A lot of case studies with That's that. super well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. It was really a really, useful. yeah, no, I, I kind of, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it's one of my hard. best girlfriends was like, this is the major I'm doing. I was like, cool. Yeah. I'll do that <laughs> I like <too."> you. <laughs> no, it, like, it, it felt to me really well-rounded where it yeah. was like, you can kind of, you're taking learnings from like so many different aspects um, of like, I was always kind of drawn to more sort of consumer things like advertising, marketing, um, all of that. I found Brands. very interesting. Yeah. Like I'm an advertiser's dream. Like I get served an ad, I'm like, I'll take, I'll take 12. <laughs> 
you know, yeah, like my watermelon yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it was it's like, like the third time. I'll like, take that. Yeah, okay. I guess I got, I guess. You got, I got it. <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah, they have so, a pretty robust profile. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I've always been very interested in that. So it seemed, you know, and given the fact that a lot of my classes were like, you know, you know, um, economics, macro, micro, all yeah, all that fun really stuff. fun stuff, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> math. Um, yeah, so, math, you know, yeah. I still had all of that too, which was really nice base knowledge, but then, um, you know, all of my electives were a little bit more fun. Of course. Yeah. What was your favorite elective? Oh gosh. Um, I, I really liked, um, I really liked marketing. Um, I loved that. And then, um, I had a, um, it was, I, I forget what it was called, but it was more sort of, um, a consumer retail class that was like the case studies I was just telling you about that were looked at a lot of it. Like we looked at, um, we also looked at McDonald's, which I thought was really interesting and oh, yeah. how like it goes through all these phases. It's like going through, and I think it's really funny. It's like going through one right now too. Um, they just did like a whole rebrand in Chicago where they moved their headquarters like downtown and that. they moved them back to the city from the suburbs. It's called like hamburger university. It's like really <laughs> cute, but like they're trying to really like, come back up in a time where everyone is super, super health conscious. So I think it's really interesting, like what, I don't know, like as it goes through generationally, like what people are kind of gravitating towards. Definitely, so, yeah. And yeah. how brands and retail yeah. locations have to shift. And I mean, it's such, I mean, it's an iconic brand, whether we agree with, you know, how they source food or whatever it is. Like right. I, I'm not an expert on that. So, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's still McDonald's Definitely. and they make the best French fries ever. They, so. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Come on. Hands down. So good. So, you know, it's, I think it's interesting how you kind of make it new again. Ben. Yeah. So I love that stuff. Great. Yeah. Did you do any internships while you were in school that kind of helped guide you towards figuring out what you wanted to do? Um, I had an internship um, after my freshman year in college um, in the city at a like private label fashion brand. So they were, had licensing agreements with a lot of different brands. Um, a lot of like sportswear. Cool. Um, and then I did, after my junior year, I did um, the Nordstrom um, internship program. So you worked it also, but also kind of took like management courses, got to work a lot um, oh, with like store management, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Did that lead you into a career in fashion? It did. To start? Yeah, Amazing. it did. So, um, well, when I first moved to New York, I was working at an experiential marketing company called Brandwich, which was really fun. Um, so basically when I came on and it was, I was a contractor for a couple months um, as I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. And it was, it was really fun. They had just landed the craft account and it was when they were doing all the, when they were launching like the flavored mayonnaise. Oh yeah. Do you remember those? <laughs> yes, yeah. I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we did is um, we branded the sandwich paper that delis use anyways to wrap like bagel, whatever. Yeah. You know, you get a baked mac and cheese. It comes in like the white wax paper and then your foil, right? Oh, yeah. So we did is we branded um, the paper um, and just gave it to delis. And the only thing they had to do was include samples of the mayonnaise. Amazing. Yeah. They look like heroes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so it was really fun. Um, I did that for probably like six months. I was there and then, um, I went to work for a company called Chloe and Reese, um, which did, uh, custom like party dresses, a lot of bridal stuff. And from there I went to a brand called Addison that I was at for about four years. Cool. And what, what sector of fashion was Addison? Um, contemporary women's wear. 
Okay. Yeah. Great. And during Addison, is that is that right, right around the time that you yeah. were sciatic nerve yes. issues and yes. started getting into yoga? Yes, my old coworkers will laugh at me, um, Charlie and Monica, because I was always like on the floor, like I couldn't sit, like lay on the floor, and they're like, um, "Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you doing?" Yeah, but that was it. Was really great. I think there's where I kind of got my first taste of really working. I was working with um, buyers and also with um, consumers. So what was happening is that basically I was on the sales side, so I was an account executive. So it was kind of my job to work with what Amy was doing as the designer, um, make sure that her inspiration and the collection as a whole was still translated to the stores that, you know, they're not buying every single piece, right? They're gonna buy what fits their store. So how is that translated to a different market? You have the South, you have the West Coast, you have the Midwest, you have the East Coast. Every consumer is gonna be a little bit different, right? You have stores in college towns, you have stores, you know, maybe in the middle of nowhere, they're one of like three boutiques in the entire town. Like what is, how am I translating this broader collection into kind of these sub-markets? Um, so that was kind of, that I always found really, really interesting. I got to Definitely. kind of be the go-between in between that, working with our showrooms who are also showing the collection, like how they're showing it how they're speaking about it. Um, yeah. yeah. It sounds like each piece of your journey up to Y7 kind of fit a specific component of what would help you build the brand later. Yeah, I think, you know, I think what looking back onto everything was, you know, I I don't teach at Y7. Um, I can, I, but I made that choice because I want to remain connected to the consumer. I want to remain connected to the experience and what they're seeing when they walk in and not be on this other lens of teaching, right? Because I think there's so many viewpoints that you can take with this. I have an amazing teaching team. Like the studio is not about me. It's about the experience. And that's what I want to make sure that I retain, you know, really good insight on. And I want to make sure that I stay really close to that. Um, Because I think once you're, you know, the experience suffers, then you start to lose the consumer. And that's when you have to, do like a big re something, right? So for me, I think working in fashion and kind of understanding that people have to buy it. It's a product, right? People have to buy it. And you have to make sure like for stores, like you gotta have a good buyer who understands the consumer. And you can't, you can push certain things that are key to the collections, but if their consumer's not gonna buy it, then the store's just gonna return it to yeah. us and we're gonna lose money. So it's finding a really nice balance of like having those super special pieces, but also understand you have those things that you know the consumer is gonna buy, right? Definitely. And so that was like always kind of the challenge, especially when you're working in fashion and there's, you know, there's big fashion houses, there's fast fashion, there's, you know, the Zara's, the H&M's that are able to turn it out. The price point is great. Like why are people going to specialty stores still? Why are they going to that one boutique in their town that they like love? And so you want to make sure that you really can understand the consumer from that side so you can support the buyer and therefore support the brand to have like longevity. So that was always really like interesting to me. So I took out, like I learned I don't think I realized it until like a little later on, probably like two, three years ago, but I learned like so much about consumers and like how to really look at them and how to, you know, learn from them and buying patterns and habits. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. So why seven started as a pop-up? It did. 
<laughs> yeah. How did that come together? So, because um, it's it's kind of a jump to go yeah, from so, working in fashion to hey, I'm gonna do a, a yoga. Pop yeah. Up. So that really, I always attribute that to my now husband. Um, he was newly my, I think, I think he was newly my fiance at the time. Um, yeah, we had been engaged for like a couple months, but. Um, He's like a serial entrepreneur. So he has like, he has started so many businesses I can't even count. Um, and he was like, well, why don't we just find a space and we'll find, you know, some instructors on Craigslist and we'll just see. I was like, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. I was like, you know, I'm on the couch. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Right. <laughs> so we did that. Um, and the whole thing was free for like the first month. It wasn't supposed to really like be anything. And someone asked to buy a package at the end of the pop-up. And I was like, mm, we're just, you know, we're finalizing our lease right now for a space. Yeah. Completely lying. I, was totally, like, yeah. I went home, I was like, we gotta find a space. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we people go, we want, it, people, people want it. People want it. Just one person asked, but like maybe like, you know. Yeah, there could be four. Yeah, and I think what's really, really cool, and I, you know, this was, gosh, like six years ago now, but you know, and I think a lot of other cities have, you know, started to have places like this, but New York was really one of the only places that had like these really cool, like short-term, like shared creative spaces. So we found this space in Williamsburg um, in Brooklyn and at 88 North First. And basically they had two floors of these like 300 square foot, like they called them lofts, um, but that could kind of be used for everything. Like there was yeah. a vo like, it was really cool. It was kind of like a creative place. Like there was one of the studios, I'm a girl used as like her design studio. She made like custom clothes. So she was in there with her like mannequin and her sewing machine. There was another um, woman who used as her pottery studio. She had like a, you know, a pottery wheel and all her stuff, um, her kiln in the corner. Yeah. Someone um, downstairs was giving voice lessons. Um, someone else used as a voiceover studio. Another person used it for eyelash extensions. Like people who, you know, wanted to have their own businesses, but didn't need like a massive retail space, really. Definitely. Um, we use it as a yoga studio. Of course, because um, you can. Yeah, so it was. A loft. Yeah, it was about the air like. Air quotes were perfect. I'm a big air quote fan. Yeah, it was so like, it was like a because it wasn't like you know this beautiful open air loft. It was just like yeah. kind of a loft. You know, <laughs> you know there was like one sky. Right. Yeah. There's a little <laughs> bit of sun the like through. The, yeah. the like lower level ones didn't have that, but we had one. Um, so I don't know. Um, and it was great. That's how we started. We were able to afford it, you know, with our salaries, it was super cheap. Um, we we're month to month, everything was included and we could fit about eight mats total great. in the space. And that was it. Very exclusive. Yeah. I was like, cool. It's like <laughs> underground, like really vibey in yeah. Brooklyn. So that was it. Was the pop-up Y7 experience relatively similar to today's experience? Just based on class structure and everything? Um, I know. Class structure, yes. We've obviously upgraded um, infrared heating. We started in like 2014. We didn't go out the gate with that. Um, we just had like normal mm -hmm. heat. Um, and so infrared heating was not always there um, for 2013. It just, you know. Yeah. Still didn't know and it was there. And yeah. there were still days when like nobody showed up to class. Right. So <laughs> yeah. super fun. Um, 
And you know, that was before the days of like, this was like early days of ClassPass. We were one of the first ClassPass clients um, oh, wow. when it was still called Classtivity. Yes. <laughs> um, so we were on it from there. Um, one of the founders, Mary, um, was actually one of our first clients. Oh, wow. Um, she was like, do you guys want to test this thing? We we're like, uh, yeah, yeah, no one's here. So yeah. I was like, no one's here, great. <laughs> this sounds awesome. Um, and obviously we didn't have a marketing budget. Um, so, yeah, so, but as far as the class structure, yes, it has always been the same. Amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what I feel really strongly about. It, you know, there's so many amazing studios that do, um, you know, different types of yoga. If you want something a little bit more restorative or you want Bikram or you want something with weights, there are studios that do that. I don't particularly feel strongly or passionate. Like, you know, that's not the way I really want to practice. This is... Why seven is what I want. Yeah. And so that's what I really wanted it to stay the same. Cause I think there's so, I mean, yoga is so personal. I think the journey to, you know, what kinds of yoga you gravitate towards, you, there are so many amazing studios for that. So it's not something, I don't need to like be the expert at everything. Yeah. I just want to do what I want to do. That's right. Yeah. And do it the best that you possibly yeah, can. I think that's what I, I want to be the best in the business at what I do. I don't need to do all these, you know, other things. So that makes a lot of sense yeah. and stays focused. That's really good. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the reasons people, we have been successful because people can describe what it is and that's what you're going to get. Right. Like, yeah. It no is, matter which studio. Yeah. You like it to. is what it is. New York, LA, like that's what it is. Upper East Side, Tribeca. It is a tribe called yeah, sweat. That's, that's what, what it is. is. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's super important too, is like we've expanded. What we've really, really learned is that we have to keep it consistent. Definitely. So you have your first potential package subscriber and you're on the hunt for a lease. What was that process of finding the first location? Craigslist. 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 I mean, this was like, like the end of, this was like summer 2013. So it was like big Craigslist days. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was it. It's amazing. Yeah. Where was the first location? 88 North First. Oh, crap. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, it was on North First uh, between Bedford and Driggs. Amazing. Great location. Heart of Williamsburg. Heart of Williamsburg. This was also when Williamsburg like wasn't. It was, it was not, not what, it is, what it is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I lived in a gorgeous one bedroom corner unit with floor to ceiling windows for $2,000 a month. Yep. <laughs> I was killing it. Yeah. Like, and now, yeah. And now it's like. One bedroom's like four grand. You're like, okay, yeah. so. <laughs> Things have changed. Yeah, just a little, a little bit. bit. That's, how did you go about planning that space? I mean, there was nothing. <laughs> there was only room it for comes. eight. There was, yeah, there was, no, we, um, so we'd check people in in the hallway. It was like kind of set up like a railroad apartment would be. So all the little studios were on, if you walked in the door, were on the right side. And so it was just a wall here. So what we would do is we had a, a bench that when we would open, we just put it against the wall. People could sit there. Um, and then we checked people in on like a rolling desk, like Perfect. on an iPad yeah. in the hallway. That was it. And it worked. Yep. No frills. No frills. Very bare bones. It's we amazing. had like those Ikea like open um, cubbies, I guess, shelves, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had that in there. That was it. And mats. And that's it. That's it. Perfect. Did all the la laundry from the towels in my apartment. <laughs> that's amazing. You got to do what you got to do. Scrappy. I mean, I had to clean them and I couldn't, didn't want to pay for laundry. So yeah, there it is. Yeah. That's amazing. When did you start thinking about location two? Um, so before location two, we actually moved that studio. Got it. Because we started selling out and having wait lists. 
it's not that impressive considering there were only it's eight spots. <laughs> but so, it, it's a nice yeah, vote of confidence. But it was like, like oh, okay, right. So we actually went into um, a shared like co-working office space in the basement. Oh wow! There was nothing. It was basement. So there was a CrossFit gym on the other side, um, a music school, and us in the basement. That's so funny. Yeah. So we were also able to be month to month there because we were taking a space that no one really wanted, right? right? Um, and we built that out. We could fit 20 mats in there, which was huge um, for us at the time. And so we did that. So we moved in there. Um, and that was 240 um, Kent. And we moved in there in April of 2014. And then we popped up inside the monster cycle on Lafayette yeah, totally. um, in January of 2015. And that's what kind of, I think, spurred a lot of growth because, you know, Williamsburg still is, it, it's a residential, you know, yeah. unless you work there, there's a couple companies that have offices there, but it's super residential, right? Definitely. Like it's a destination. Like if you live in Manhattan and you work in Manhattan, you're not going to Williamsburg. To you're going, out. you know, you're going for brunch yep. or you're going yeah. for a restaurant, It's a destination right? on the weekend. You're going to Lilia. Yeah. Yep. Like that's what's happening. Yeah, I'm taking um, the water tax. So we're exactly. gonna have a lovely day. It's gonna yeah. be a whole thing. Yep. So, you know, it was great in Williamsburg, but I think we are missing sort of the broader New York City area. So going into the Monster Cycle kind of really put us on the map. Um, we opened um, there January 2015. Within four months, we opened Flatiron. Amazing. And then relocated. Um, so uh, the. Uh, studio in the monster cycle to our current Soho location. Oh, cool. um, yeah. Right. Um, and then we did that. And then so we we're at, we're at three. three by the end of 2015. We had three. That's great. And kind of scary. Yeah. And then 2016 we did, we opened West Hollywood in January union square um, in April and Upper East Side in September. Oh, wow. Yeah. Going crazy. Yeah. That's and that awesome. was when, yeah. And then like late fall 2016 was when we took on, um, private equity. Got capital. it. Yeah. Amazing. But up until then it was self-funded. Self-funded. That's, that's incredible. If you've ever incredible, stressful, amazing. I don't think I've ever learned so much in a short span of time. Um, and had so many breakdowns. Right. Just mental breakdowns right and left. Yeah. That's great. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Amongst you have one friends. and then you're like, wake up the next day. You're like, okay, here I am. <laughs> um, yeah. And I left, I left my job in uh, the spring of 2015, um, at, right after Flatiron to see if this could be a thing. Yeah. And here we are. That must have been both freeing and frightening because it was, you were going all in. Right. It was, it was a lot. Um, and you know, I don't have a business background. It's not like right. I'm like, here's my business deck. Yeah. Or what's it called? Like a plan. Yeah. A plan. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. I didn't have that. So it was more so like, all right, like, I, I didn't make that much money working in fashion, so I was like, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'll take the plunge. I'll yeah, bet on so, myself. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so thankfully it worked out. Yeah, it's And, you know, too. I think what, ha what really happened was, too, that made me realize I had to leave is, like, 
you know, if you ever called Y7, we don't have phones anymore. Um, and we really found that mostly everyone was just calling to be like, I'm gonna be 10 minutes late. And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> thank you for calling. We can't let you in. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't like conflict. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't like this. Um, but all the calls were getting forwarded to my cell phone. <laughs> so you were in meetings. So and it was like, like me, like under my desk. I was like, oh, Y7? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I can switch you from the 7 p.m. to 8.15. What's your name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. See you then. Bye. Like, really, <laughs> yeah. just like trying to like hurry along. So I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, after this third studio, just like little things were kind of slipping through the cracks, whether it was like cleaning schedules, just like upkeep, just like little things, um, training the front desk, like making sure, um, you know, we were getting to all the teachers to give feedback and the experience was starting to suffer. That's I found. the thing you and really that's care like about. the yeah. thing, right? So um, that's kind of what led me to make the choice to leave my job and really give this, you know, my full attention because I think you know, and the thing about what I did is, you know, being an account executive, it's really, that's kind of transferable to a lot of markets, right? Whether you're selling media or, you know, clothes or whatever it is, it's still a consumer, you know, yeah. based background and experience that I have. So I was, I gave myself like six, I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Try it out. Six months. If I'm like really bored, if it's not going anywhere, um, you can, you always, know, go back. I can always go back. It's great. Yeah. And then how did you decide that you wanted to take on money and go that route? Yeah, so it got um, it got really tough to kind of do the build outs we wanted to do. Um, you know, with at that point we were doing infrared heating. So it's like the electric, um, just the wiring. Re, we have to rewire a lot of things. It's not like more, it's just like, Different. I'm not an electrician. I can't rewire, right. I don't know. You know, I can. You can do the, the laundry, the towels and yeah, the Yeah, that I can, I can do Fine. the laundry, but I was like, well, no, yeah. no, the rest of this, you know. So, and then you, leases are expensive. Yep. You know, we're signing commercial leases are seven to 10 year terms. You're putting a lot of money that's just like sitting there. Yep. And so what we were doing was like, okay, signing a lease, then we had to wait till we made enough money to like open a different studio, you know? So if there was a space that really worked for us or, you know, an area that we felt really passionate about and wanted to expand to, and we needed to jump on that opportunity, we couldn't do it, let it go. because we just didn't have the capital. Yep. So I think that was also a big choice. And then, you know, at the point we were raising money, you know, five studios, a sixth one on the way, and by coastal in two different markets, we needed a team. Definitely. Um, and that was, we needed to be able to pay salaries and do that. And so that was always, we needed an office. And that was always like increasingly important for, me, it was always investing in really good people. Mm -hmm. I like, I didn't really want to ever hire somebody just because like I couldn't afford somebody that was, you know, a better fit. Right. Yeah. So and, that and settle, was because right, that exactly. impacts the experience. A hundred percent. And back. you know, I, you spend a lot of time training and onboarding and, you know, for new hires and it's a lot of emotional <laughs> and like, it's, it's a lot of time, you know, you're, giving people access to a part of your business to something that you've really created and you know, we're still a startup like we my team is very very lean like they're mostly all just teams of one handling everything you know in their wheelhouse so it's it's really difficult and you have to make sure you have the right people on board who are here for this Definitely. because if you're not if like 
you're somebody who wants to, you know, be in at nine thirty and leave at six. Like this isn't the place for you. And that's, it's just, it's just just not, and that's cool. Like if that's what you want, like that's amazing. Great. Yeah. This isn't the place for it. Like my, most of the studios open, the first person gets there at around five 15 and we're not out of there until 10 PM. So it's all day you know, shit happens after hours. And, you know, especially for like my ops team or, you know, my marketing team, like there are events that are happening in the studios after 6 p.m. There's things happening on the weekends. Like we are open almost every day of the year. This isn't just a Monday through Friday thing. So, um, you know, it was really important that we had the capital behind us to really invest in people and really good people. Did Did you enjoy hiring when you started? Because I feel like what's coming through now is you actually, you take a lot of pride in it and it's a passion I point for you. I don't like it. It really overwhelms me. And I think it over, I think I, I think I thought I was really good at it a couple of years ago. I'm better at it now, but it's really <laughs> hard because and it's the same thing for everyone. Like you, you are on your best behavior yeah. in an interview. You're like, hi, I work so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, my downsides to me is that, you know, I work a little too hard. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, those yeah. things. Like, I care too much. I care too much. Sometimes I take, you know, my work too seriously yeah. and I'm just, you know, I'm really here for it. Yeah. And that's not, it's not a, a good or a bad thing. It, ju- it just is when you yeah. want a job, you're like all in. And then, you know, I think it's on employers too, because they want to attract good people. So maybe they fluff the job a little. They don't talk about, you know, the nitty gritty parts, the slow parts, the tedious parts of jobs. And I think that was, you know, something in the beginning when I didn't have Natalie, my, you know, director of people, my little angel that I adore, (laughs) who is like, no, no, like you need the job descriptions to be like super, super specific. And we need to just, you know, and things like that, that I wasn't really thinking about, you know, in terms of who we're attracting, what kind of people, um, and making sure you're asking like all the questions. Do you have a favorite interview question? No, no, I don't know. (laughs) I'm more so, you know, I really, (laughs) because of where I I sit right now in terms of who I oversee, I, I really just like to get a feel for people. Like, do I like you? Yeah, can I work with you? Yeah, from like that's it. Exactly. Like, yeah. do I like you? Is really what I'm kind of looking for and making sure that, you know, we can have a conversation and things like that. Great. Yeah. It's a pretty tough barrier to get across because you're investing a lot right. time and money in employees. And, so. I, and I feel like, you know, if you let people talk, you can kind of get a sense for how they work and things like that. When, you know, someone's walking through their resume and they're walking through situations and jobs, like, that you can kind of get a sense for how people handle stress or pressure, yeah, difficult, definitely. difficult conversations, shall we say? Yeah, <laughs> we shall say that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you going back to raising money. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. No, you didn't. Um, um, how did you identify whichever partner you went with? So I have the, it was the best situation possible. Um, one of our instructors, uh, Courtney, um, as we were getting ready, as we emailed the team about Upper East Side and was like, hi, here are the classes. Um, she emailed myself um, and my husband was like, hey, like, you know, this is our sixth studio and like, I know we're self-funded, but you know, have you guys ever thought about raising money? And if so, 
my boyfriend works at a PE firm and he loves like, you know, he comes to my class all the time. Like he loves what you guys do. Like, would you be cool? With, like an email intro. Sure. And I said, I said, yes. Thank that would you. be wonderful. Yeah. And, um, Rich, um, who is now her husband, um, you know, we met with him and the partners at Carp Riley and that was kind of it, that you know, and it was super important. It's the best setup. It's the best setup. And, for me, it was super important. They deal with a lot of uh, consumer brands as well. Um, and they just really, really understood the experience and didn't want to alter that, which was super important for me. Yeah, it's the reason that it's, they're investing, hopefully, exactly. to begin with. Yeah, it's like the experience. Right. Like, I think a lot of a lot of times it, taking on money can be tricky because, sure, if I squeezed four more mats into a studio, could I make more money? Yeah, but I don't want people to be, you know, yeah, like this, cattle. yeah, which was something I hated in studios. You know, I don't want someone else like on my mat. Get off, gross. That was um, that was one of the strikes with Bikram. Is there were all they these pack other people you in there, and everyone is dripping sweat. You're yeah. like, I can feel your sweat. Literally, you're dripping sweat yeah, on me. I have a decent sized personal space bubble, so uh -huh. that was like, yeah, like not we good. have a standard of how many inches are you know between mats to the side and front and back. It's you know, and that was really important for me that whoever we partnered with really understood that and wasn't trying to make changes just, just to like up the revenue per studio. Definitely. You know, so I think that's where it can kind of get tricky. Um, so they've been amazing partners. Um, they're a single partner. Oh, um, great. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. Easy And it's setup. really great. They love the experience. They really get it. And they've been super helpful in terms of, you know, just identifying, you know, new markets where we want to be. Um, all the little stuff that I was like, hmm? Yeah. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yes. Those, you know, getting our finances in number yeah. in, in order and um, just making sure that, you know, we had goals to hit and, you know, real metrics to look at it as opposed to just like, yeah, I think well, we made money um, this month. Yeah, it's good. Class was full. Yeah. <laughs> doing Everyone's good. smiling. Doing good. doing good. Everyone's smiling yeah. coming out. It's things, perfect. Things seem fine. Mix is Perfect. Yeah. So it makes it, you know, a lot more pleasant, I think, to plan as we, um, you know, decide in the next like two to five years, like what new markets we're going into. Are we saturated here? Like other areas we're looking into and having that sort of, you know, sounding board and real, um, you know, advisors within the business. Definitely. And when you took the money on, did you have the next locations almost mapped out about where you kind of wanted to go or were they helpful in identifying those or was it probably so a mix? So we actually paused. Oh, cool. Um, so the only thing we did in 2017 was relocate Williamsburg. That was, I spent all of 2017 building my team. That's so like, important. that's what I did because it became like increasingly apparent that like we need to get the right people in place in order to support the kind of growth that we want. Definitely. Um, so that was really, really important. So that's what we did there. And then 2018, 2018 we opened, we did a lot. Uh, we, <laughs> we, like yeah. yeah, we opened um, Silver Lake, our second location um, in LA. We did uh, Tribeca, Bryant Park, meatpacking, and also opened a studio um, on the Nike campus in Portland. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's yes. amazing. So, you know, it was much needed 2017, that little like break to really like. Yeah. Make sure, make the, sure uh, the foundation team is, in place. is sound. Exactly. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, growing too fast. I think, you know, you can talk to a lot of entrepreneurs or founders and business owners and growing too fast. It's like, 
outwardly it looks amazing, but then you feel it if you can't support, yeah. you know, those physical locations or the demand for the product or, or whatever it is. And Everything's on fire. Yeah. Everything always. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like burning in hell over here. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad it was, you know, I like to be always doing things, but I think it was really important for us to kind of like step back and make sure we had every angle of the business covered. Definitely. You might not want to share this because sure. it could be proprietary, mm-hmm. but do you have any tips for finding sound people to join your team or any kind of route you like to go to find them? Um, we, so we just really posted on like the normal like job boards, like Monster, LinkedIn, like all of those things. Wherever you could, yeah. Wherever we could. Um, we interviewed a lot in the beginning, but a lot too is also like referral based. Usually stronger. Um, yeah. Uh, we got, so my first three hires were um, Natalie, who's our director of people, uh, Melanie, who's our director of retail, and Alex, who is our um, East Coast ops director. Um, and we got really lucky with those three. Like I, I mean, they've been with me since summer of 2016. That's awesome. Um, and they're all wonderful. Um, so and like really knew the brand and like got it and understood and you know been kind of willing to go through the growing pains with us definitely yeah um natalie always laughs because she's like the first thing that mason my husband said to her when she like started he was like so i guess we should find out who works here right <laughs> yeah so yeah you know that was fun yeah um you know but i think you just have to interview everybody the more people you can meet, the more people you can get a feel for what you need. Ask friends, ask, you know, you never know who's going to pop up. I think there's a lot of people right now looking to kind of transition into health and wellness who may have traditionally been and, you know, have a different background, but that's okay. You know, I think there's little things that you can learn and I wouldn't discount those people just because they're not coming from, you know, whatever background you're hiring in, you know, I don't know, because I think, no one really came from health and wellness for us. Um, there's almost better, probably. It's almost better because slate. then I I tend to agree because then I think you come in with again it's those like preconceived notions. Well, I did this, you know, with this other studio, so this is how we're going to do it, and it's like that. No, it doesn't work here. Yeah, it's like not you know every every business is different, and I think coming in with like an open mind and not just like oh like well that's what I did there, that was our budget there to open a store or whatever, so that's what I'm going to do. It's like. Yeah. We don't have five million dollars right. to open a store, yeah. so um yeah. yet. Yeah. So like need to get creative with right. that a little bit. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So the studios are one piece of the business. Yes. The other piece that I really enjoy are the collaborations around merch <gasps> and just anything with the Y7 brand. It's fun. Thank I feel like you. you have a pretty fun eye for yeah. doing unique partnerships. Yeah. When did that start? Um it started pretty early on the first i believe the first like thing we did which was i thought was really fun was um the album that childish gambino came out with in 2015 he released our clients got the first listen oh that's awesome yeah so a lot of like people in music yeah so that's um his label like took over the studios and played his and like it was all like a theme for him and played the new album. That's great. And it was really cool. 
you know, and it's a way kind of a lot of people have, you know, our teachers get asked all the time to like publish their playlist, like what it is. So it's a really cool way to also kind of discover new music. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what a fun idea, you know, like yeah. it, you know, makes the clients feel a little like special that they get like the first listen totally. VIP before it's released on Friday. And, um, it's fun for our teacher. It's just a really fun thing to do, I think. And it's merging, you know, music is such an important part of our classes. It's what we move to. It's, you know, we use it to motivate, frankly, you know, as the class kind of hits the peak of where it's supposed to be, like the beat is faster, like you're really feeling it, you're out of breath and you're using that like song that you love to like get back up and you're like, okay, like yeah, I'll this get, works, yeah. I like, I get it. Like I know how long this is going to be kind of, it's like that mentality thing. Yep. Um, so I, I guess like really like 2015 is when it started. Um, yeah. And just exploring different partnerships. We do a lot of artist partnerships now where they'll take over a class, like they'll take over the Instagram and, you know, be all about like new music and what they're releasing. And it's just fun. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Tap into the culture piece of it. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really fun for the brand. Yeah. And are there any others that pop out as fun, either on apparel or, I mean, you've even done like snacks, like you've, you've kind of yeah. ranged the gamut. Yeah, so we actually um, launched a, two of my girlfriends started um, a cannabis focused like branding agency. Marta and it's Charlotte. How, it's how we met. Um, and so we um, did a couple CBD products with them, a bath soak and a balm that has been just selling out, like we cannot keep them in stock. <laughs> Um, and they're really amazing. So we're going to be expanding on that business soon, which has been really, really fun. Um, and I think what we really like to do and what I like to do too, is like really partner with experts within the industry. So, you know, I would never do my own CBD and just label it like Y7, like whatever, like for me, it's Y7 and nice paper and, you know, leaning on them because they have so much knowledge and experience in it's unbelievable. Like. I feel I get such a less just the science stuff that Charlotte comes oh, out with. And she's a scientist. It's it's insane. Char is I don't I can't even I mean yeah, and just I could listen to her I for hang hours. Out with Marta and Charlotte, it's just like yeah. You, I know you your got jaws on, on the floor the whole time. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know everything. Everything. So as we look into future partnerships, um, we just launched um, our first Nike collab which was great. We've been working on that for a really long time, um, which we're really excited about. Um, that launched last month, uh, the first apparel launch. Thank you. Yeah. So a lot of fun things in the works. Um, you know, just kind of exploring every option. You you think what we really want to do is become a lifestyle brand and not just solely focused on yoga. And it's important for me to let people know that, you know, the physical practice is only one part of it. Right. And I want, I want people to be able to take Y7 home with them, really, is what the idea is behind the product and what that looks like. Definitely. That's awesome. Anything in terms of future studios that you can share that you want to tease? Or I'm it could going be to Chicago no tomorrow. Well, that's fun. Uh-huh. That's super fun. So stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> for that. That is all I want to say right now. Deal. But um, we are we're opening in Park Slope. Cool. Um, in the fall, late fall, um, that'll be open and we're redoing Flatiron right now. So we got the lease to the third floor and that will be showers, locker rooms, a whole thing, which if you're a loyal Flatiron 
Yes. Client, thank you so much yes. for staying with us. <laughs> We're so sorry. But that was like the first real, that was the first real lease I signed. Definitely. Showers are yeah, hard it, to find. It's hard. <laughs> like my dad put up the mirrors at the refresh bar. Thanks, dad. Um, <laughs> you know, he put up like the little refresh like bar. Like my dad did that. It's amazing. So, you know, that was very back and bootstrap days. So we're so excited to give that studio like a little facelift and great. it's such a great location. Yeah, and, it's you know, perfect. It's right by the park. It's an amazing location. It's just like, you know, has such a special place in my heart. So Definitely. I'm really excited to be able to give those clients something, you know, a nice place. It's right. <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah. And there's two things before I let you go. Yes. One is, do you have a life motto or mantra that you like to apply? I do. What is it? It's, um, it's like this now. What does that and mean to you? So one of my instructors, uh, Kristen, who is now um, a dear friend of mine, I was, her and I were getting drinks, this was years ago, and I was like, I'd had a day, and I was like, pounding wine, I was like, eating French fries, <laughs> I was like, ah, you know, just like, I, so I forget even what happened, and you know, she was like, well, there's nothing really you can do, and you know, because it's like this now. And it's something one of her teachers said to her and I was like, oh, okay, you're fucking right. Like literally me talking about what happens, like I can talk about it all I want. It doesn't change the fact that it happened and I can only go forward with the situation now at hand. Yep, and energy is better used to deal with it like, that way. Like let's fix it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like you can take the learnings from whatever happened. Be Me talking about it isn't fucking do anything. Nope. Right? Like it's already over. It's done. Yep. Things we can only move forward with the information we have and how it is right now. And it's like this now. Yep. I love that. Yeah. And it's like kind of no bullshit. Well, like, you know. Yeah. It is what it this is. This is how it is now. So. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> move on. <laughs> let's, let's continue <laughs> on. So that's kind of, you know, in situations of like stress or frustration or um, whatever it is, that's, that's it for me. Cool. Yeah. The last thing, where can people find you? Either Instagram or where, where yeah, do you want to direct so folks? The studio's Instagram is at Y7Studio. Um, and if you want to follow me, because I think I'm pretty funny, <laughs> um, it's at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H underscore Ayako, A-Y-A-K-O, which is my middle name. Okay. I'm half Japanese. Amazing. So sometimes people are like, what is that? Right. I have a lot of names. It's very confusing. But it's okay. Yeah. It, it's fun. It's, yeah. it's They're like flair. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Yeah. That was fun. It was really interesting to get the full story of Y7 and how everything started, especially because it was the first time I felt comfortable in a yoga class. And it, it put me on a path to become, in air quotes, definitely air quotes, a yogi because I am far from an expert, but aspiring expert, potentially. Once I can do a, a handstand, EBD on one that is. I like how Sarah really drove home the importance of the consumer experience and how it's of utmost importance to her and Y7 as a whole. And that the reason that she doesn't teach in her own yoga studio is so that she can have a completely untarnished view of what a consumer experiences. And I, I really value that. I think that's important. I'm really excited to see what Sarah and Y7 do next, uh, including a couple of fun brand collaborations and, and wherever they might pop up. 
in the future, uh, the very near future, mind you. So keep an eye on their Instagram for that. And also follow her as well. I can confirm she is pretty hilarious. Um, but thank you so much once again for listening. I genuinely appreciate it so much. This is so much fun. The Tartar Project has been a blast. I'm extra excited, obviously, because episode 17, 17 is my favorite number, is what it is. But you could share the Tartar Project with 17 of your friends. There's no way of me to check that you actually did it. But in good faith, I really appreciate if you would do that. Five stars on iTunes and a follow on Spotify or a follow on Spotify and or whichever works for you the best. Tell your friends about it. That's how I get out there and can grow. It's, it's been going pretty well so far. So I'm pretty pumped around that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and for listening. And I'll catch you next week.